This episode of Have You Got 5 Minutes is sponsored by Banana Tag, the internal communications platform that allows you to create and send professional employee communications in minutes. To find out more, visit bananatag.com. Hello, I'm Rebecca Roberts. Hi, I'm Harriet Small. Welcome to Have You Got 5 Minutes, the PR, comms and marketing podcast. Answering things you'd normally have asked about at an event or while making a brew in the office. Hi, Rebecca. Hi, Harriet. How are you? I'm all right. I got a little bit of attention last week because, um, you know, did good old tweeting. So I um, put out a tweet saying, I know some bosses don't like people having side hustles, but my side hustle has helped me do my day job better. And so I launched a podcast in-house on zero budget. I know my boss will be happy to hear that. Zero budget. You know, we're local government. We don't have money. So I wanted to give some tips and advice and maybe just talk to people about how I did that and also get your insight because you, you've you got two podcasts, haven't you? Yeah, I'm just, I'm a classic tale of lockdown, to be honest, Harriet. But yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they're really good. And it's really interesting that I think more internal comms teams are doing them, whether that's just like private on your internal networks or post them publicly as a way to kind of keep engaged with people, particularly during the pandemic. We've spoken to a couple of people who've done that, haven't we? But yeah, so tell us what what did you do? So the podcast is all about the work that we're doing around anti-racism. My main stakeholder is um, children's social care. So that's looking at early help and prevention and then children's social work in the sort of traditional context. So What I did is I first sort of mapped out all the steps of what was needed, organised some guests. It's a six-part series, so it's not going to be like long in terms of like episodes or weeks. And then recording, we use Zencaster, took that tip from you. And then editing, we used Audacity. So I edited all on Audacity. And then I just turn the audio recording into a video. I create a graphic. I did that on Adobe Spark, but you can use Canva as well. Adobe Spark, I used the free trial and then promo comms. So I did, you know, using our in-house newsletters and bulletins and, and things like that. Yeah. And then I sourced some music. So if you, if you go on the internet, there's loads of places where you can find copyright free music and I'll put some in the show notes as well. So that was sort of the major steps that I took. That's really cool because... I guess like you know there is cost in terms of your time and your like skills you develop like we can't underestimate that like when you first do your first edit and then you're like oh wow this takes ages you can do a basic the good thing about like using free tools like audacity and like a relative you don't have to spend loads on your kit really is that you can google literally everything <laughs> so you end up just thinking oh how have I done this or like you had to record something on a zoom for one guest or whatever there's always like a way around or a hack or something and I think if you're prepared to put a bit of time into to learn it like you really ha- actually have to like want to do it I don't think it's rocket science like the hear it I, I think about my early episodes and they were you know not the best but the main thing is just to do it like I've spoke to a number of people giving advice on setting up podcasts and, and the main thing I say is you've just got to start doing it and record your voice and get used to it and just go for it because no one ever likes the sound of their voice that's the main thing but once you kind of get organized and start recording it it doesn't need to take ages and also not to record too much like be quite focused about what you want to get from each planned session and I think that's the way to kind of go about it but I'm really interested in the fact that organizations are using this as part of their kind of recruitment campaigns and also like staff engagement and internal comms but also in an external channel as well I think that's really fascinating yeah and voice is not going anywhere so you might as well figure out ways of embracing it I mean we had one when I was at Sky and it was a really good one I like really liked it and that was going back what 
two, three years ago. And then I know American Airlines have one as well, which I've listened to. And you'll probably hear a little bit later on about somebody who hosts a podcast for internal comms. But the thing is as well, is just being mindful that there are hidden gems in your organisation who could probably record it and do some really good episodes for you. So it's a really good way of getting people's stories out there. And I mean this in the most humblest of ways, but not every organisation will have someone like me who can do all these things. So sometimes you may need to put a little bit of money into the editing. And just not expecting your staff to suddenly want to do it you know you can say oh right we're on a podcast now and that's that's fine but to push that down the line on someone who might already have like a busy kind of working life like podcasts are great and I think if you can find someone that's up for the challenge and really can see this kind of time benefit and that's great we just don't want I guess podcasts to become like the new oh can you do this a video like you've got to go back to that comments basically like why are you doing this but what I would say is sometimes when you do like press releases or like loads of web copy and all that kind of stuff like the content can be great but the process can take ages and sometimes that conversational stuff you can get from someone is a lot more natural like yes they might say oh could you just take that little bit out but you don't get as much back and forth like nowhere near as much as say like a written thing and also for people to consume it like podcasts are mainly like one-to-one listener experience people don't listen to them as a group usually and I think that's really important actually if you want that direct conversation with someone so I think it can actually be a relatively quick thing to do compared to like a big brochure or a massive pdf for your recruitment stuff like i think people should be open to how they could use them but always have that purpose otherwise it's just you're just doing it for the sake of it so i think it goes back to that comms basic like why do you need it and also if you feel like you can't necessarily dedicate to doing like a big podcast or creating a whole series you can repurpose some of the content that you've already got and make that into audio so say for example you've done a town hall and all staff you can pick out the best bits of that and then make it into an audio that people can listen to and you can keep that somewhere and then you can just do that on a regular basis and then also you can it'll give you time to develop your skills so you're not tied to a whole series or to like a whole you know this is the podcast this is what it's called but you can actually get away with with still learning the skills and still giving your staff some audio content in the mix this episode of have you got five minutes is sponsored by banana tag the internal communications platform that allows you to create and send professional employee communications in minutes to find out more visit bananatag.com this episode we have Nia Singleton with us. Nia is the community liaison manager in the UK for Tata Steel in Europe where she's been for more than a decade. She's the host of the Steel Cast podcast series. She's also a board member for Thrive Women's Aids specialising in brands and communications. Thanks for joining us Nia. Thanks for having me. So you work in the steel industry which is predominantly male. How did you get into it and what have you seen change over time? Well, I sort of fell into the steel industry, which is strange because I live, I literally grew up eight miles away from Potalbert steel plant. So it's always like I've been a marker of my life. You know, you'd go on holidays and you'd drive on the motorway and you'd be like, oh, steelworks, I'm home. It's one of those sort of um, markers in your life. But I went to university and I did a degree in criminology and sociology. And then after university, I trained to be a probation officer. So you think, well, how the heck does a probation officer end up working in comms in the steel industry? But I sort of fell into it. So I completed my training for probation and then I left probation and joined the steel industry as a drug and alcohol misuse counsellor 
again, quite a random job, you would think, for the steel industry. But at the time, it was 2007, we had, as an organisation, brought out a new HR policy around drug and alcohol misuse, which was around educating all of the workforce about the dangers of drugs and alcohol, how many units are in a glass of wine, all interesting things like that. And also supporting employees who may come forward and said they have issues themselves with substance misuse or maybe dealing with family members with substance misuse. So I was brought in as one of those counsellors and I did that for maybe about 18 months working on site and going out and talking to everybody about, you know, how many units were in their pint of Fosters on the weekend. I worked with this gentleman called Neil and he said to me, there's a job in communications, I think you'd be really good at it. And I was like, oh, okay. So I applied and this is where I've been since 2009. So I sort of fell into comms. But when I think about it, as a young girl, I wanted to write books. I wanted to be a novelist. I loved Roald Dahl and Nina Blyton. And I would literally cry to have a new book every week. I was such a bookworm that it sort of almost feels like, well, this is where I was meant to be. I was meant to work in comms. So yeah, I just sort of fell into it somehow. But then being in the steel industry and then it's so heavily male and I would often be the only woman in a room as I still am and for periods of time I was the only woman in my team and I would sort of look around and think why is this because I love the industry it's so interesting there are so many different opportunities and I think why are we not encouraging our girls to explore these opportunities? So that's when I sort of started then on this sort of one woman mission (laughs) to sort of speak about the industry and to try and encourage more women into it and to promote the voices of the fantastic women that we do have in the industry. It's been a bit of a, just a passion project really, because it's nothing really to do with my job. It's just my personal interest. You mentioned a little bit there um, you've done quite a lot of work with the community in which Tata Steel is based. What have you learned about the people around you? There are no greater people than steel workers. They are absolutely fantastic. Everybody I meet, almost everybody I meet I really like. <laughs> I can't say that about everybody but also the community. It's it's a strange one because particularly in Patalbert where the lion's share of my work is, is that we've got this sort of symbiotic relationship. The town and the industry. So the industry developed, or what the town developed around the industry, you know, the infrastructure of the town, the housing developments of the town. So there's that this sort of codependent relationship that we have. And then that translates now almost 100 years later into this sort of we are the steel town. Even if you're not working in the steel industry, you're linked to it somehow, you know, you can see it from your kitchen window, or your grandfather used to work there, or you're granny or whatever it's sort of we're just very codependent maybe which is maybe different to any other industry now these days I think it is quite rare to have an industry that is so deeply rooted and tied to the community in which it sits I think that's very very rare nowadays and like for me working local government you have that thought at the back of your mind that this is for the people who live here you're not making money for some corporate or it's for literally the people who live in this area when you go outside you see them you you engage with them so yeah that's I get, I get what you mean. So we're talking about the podcast on a podcast, the podcast you host. What have you learned doing the podcast and sort of how has the organisation received it? It's been really well received, actually. And the team, we, we had wanted to go into podcasting for such a long time. Tim Rutter's the head of comms. He's fantastic, really, because he just allows us to fail. You know, he's like, well, just try it. If it doesn't work, it, you know, doesn't work out. And that's quite rare, I think, in industries where we always want to, we want to do things perfect, don't we? Or just not do them at all. So Tim has given us all this license. Well, 
give it a go and if it doesn't work whatever so podcasting was one of those things as a team we wanted to really try so um gareth who i work with he went out and he purchased all of this podcasting equipment and then we all were like in a room going okay so what could this podcast be about <laughs> we've got everything what are we going to talk to people about? And then we couldn't figure out a way then that we were going to, how are we going to be able to put a podcast out that's in the public forum that wasn't sharing industry secrets? So we came to, we could talk about something that's around the industry, but not really sharing, you know, industry secrets. So then that, when we came to Women of Steel and my particular interest around sharing the stories of women who work in the industry to try and encourage others to want to join. And then the pandemic hit and then we were like oh how are we going to record a podcast now then because you weren't allowed to be in the same room as people so it's really been to like the ingenuity of gareth to sort of say well we could do it over teams the quality wasn't fantastic but we just sort of you know had these conversations recorded them via teams and then put them out and they've been so well received internally you know because the women have been sharing their personal stories they've not dragging on their their male colleagues they're just sharing the the career path and you know their personal story and it's been great then to sometimes have feedback from male colleagues you know I had one guy email me and he sort of said because one of the women had shared how when she had first joined the works she went to work in in a manufacturing area and there was no toilet there was no female toilet so then it was a bit of a big hoo-ha that they had to build her a toilet because obviously you know she'd want to go to the loo during a 12-hour shift but then this senior manager emailed me and he said oh yeah I never thought of it really how awkward that must be <laughs> to not have toilet facilities and it's like well you think <laughs> you know and I think that's part of it it was just opening people's eyes maybe to a world that they had not seen maybe before and that's been the best part of it for me and being able to share these fantastic women's stories because we have very few I think only 11% of our workforce is female but they're so blinking brilliant so it's just been for me fab to speak to them and to learn from them and lots of them have been you know real role models for me and for others other women in the industry to look up to and aspire to be like so that's what's been brilliant about it yeah I think um, when you're doing it in a way that's telling a story it's a lot less confrontational like the issue is we need more women in the industry it's like actually stories are very accessible for all people to kind of engage with so I think it's a really clever move to do a podcast frontline communications is not no one's cracked perfectly so far what have you seen in your organization that has worked really well well I don't like to say we've got a splat again approach but we have a bit (laughs) it is sort of try everything, throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. And that does work for us slightly. But I think one thing that we've really learned and that the pandemic made us, pushed us into this area was that we now utilise social media as an internal communications tool. So at the start of the pandemic, when we had great swathes of our employee population go off on furlough and you couldn't communicate with them or you weren't allowed to communicate with people, I think, on furlough. So you just sort of had to 
they go, goodbye, see you when we see you. You know, it was one of those things. At the time, there was so much change, wasn't there? If you can remember in March, April, May last year, it was like something new every day, um, which was affecting the way we work and it was affecting the industry. So our hub director started with the help of communications, putting out a daily blog where at the end of every day, he would send an email to all employees, just sort of detailing the things that had happened that day, any updates, sharing praise for teams and people who had gone above and beyond. And then we just started sharing those was on Facebook, which was a bit, well, it was quite nerve wracking at the start. Like, we're exposing ourselves slightly here. We're putting internal communications on Facebook. But then we had such good feedback from employees who were on furlough. And also, you know, we shouldn't forget that we have a large shift population, a large offline population working for us who don't have works emails. The only access to computers they have are to do their sort of business critical work. So they're not there on the scrolling the internet or looking through Yammer. That's not what they're about. But then they were able to catch up with, you know, what was happening on a daily basis via Facebook. So I think that's been sort of revolutionary for us really to be more open with our communications and just to put it out there. And it's been just so well received. We wouldn't have done that if the pandemic hadn't pushed us down that route. So we're a lot more open to being open now, if that makes sense, you know? I think I agree with you on that one. I think that's an approach that I think a lot of organisations have had to take. And I guess there's also that school of thought that whatever's inside never stays inside, it always comes outside. And so talk to us about the work that you do with Thrive Women's Aid. How did you get involved and what kind of support do you give them? So it's Possibly one of the things I'm most proud of, really, to be a board member for Thrive Women's Aid. I was approached by their current director, Lucy, if I would join their board. It must be seven or eight years ago when she had newly joined as the director. And I'd known her from community work through Tata. She was involved with another charity that we'd worked with. So we sort of had a relationship. And then she asked me, would I join the board? And at first, I sort of thought, well, what can I offer? What can I give? And then I realised, you know, it was my work in communications, my links with the community, stakeholder engagement and management. And I really feel as if over the last seven, eight years, I've grown in my role and in my confidence. It's really helped me on a personal and professional level. And I just, I really enjoy working with them. It's different to my day job, but I suppose also coming from a probation background. I have worked one-to-one with perpetrators of domestic abuse. I have also worked one-to-one with victims of domestic abuse and seen the effect and the shadow that can cast on the rest of their lives. So I think I come from it with an understanding of it, but also then able to help them with their communications. And we went through a rebrand in 2018-19 and that was fantastic because I'd never been involved in anything like that before so you know to rebrand an entire organization and to assist with that from sort of the inception that little kernel of an idea the name the logo you know all of the sort of brand collateral that's been fantastic for me professionally so I would say you know when you're volunteering it's almost a selfish act because you learn as much and you develop as much as what you're giving to an organization so it's been brilliant I wouldn't want to give it up for anything. (laughs) And how's your support been different with them over the past 15 months or so? Because obviously we know pandemic's kind of increased domestic violence and obviously you've had to kind of deliver things like remotely. How are things changed? Yeah, so we had to rethink on our feet and had to deliver support 
to very vulnerable women, often at times of crisis within this pandemic world. So, you know, we've given, it's been Zoom sessions, but also then as lockdown have eased, you know, we went out and we did sort of, I say we, the Royal We, walking sessions. So, you know, walks and talks, they were called. And we've just really tried to be innovative in the way that we're working with these women and their children because all of the ways that we used to work with them we couldn't no longer rely upon we couldn't do group sessions we couldn't do one-to-one sessions we couldn't go into schools and work with the children or even educate children on signs of domestic abuse so it really put a halt to that at a time when it was more needed than ever really and also because the stretch and the demand on our services it made us sort of had to think outside the box and how can we fundraise and raise more money for this organization because we were just in it was crisis time so that's been really interesting to sort of see how we've been able to navigate as an organization through that and I think we're stronger for it now we're in a better position yeah it's um it's been a crazy time isn't it congratulations on your on your run as well thank you that was such hard work for me personally so I I did a a 40 mile we had a challenge run 40 miles for Thrive because it was our 40th year and we thought just to raise money for that so I decided that I was going to run not having run for years I thought well how hard can it be well Harriet will know because she follows me on Instagram and I documented every single step of the way it was really bloody tough (laughs) but now can I call myself a runner yeah I will say I am you know I'm not the fastest and I'm not the best and I'm not going to be running half marathons anytime soon but really it's rekindled my love for running and just to go out and to do something positive for me that isn't a glass of wine at the end of the night (laughs) because that's not positive is it (laughs) you know how many units are in it right (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I know how many units are in and I still <laughs> thanks for joining us and everything we've mentioned will be in the show notes we're talking about the questions and issues that matter to you so DM us on social or get in touch with Harriet at commsovercoffee.com or myself Rebecca at threadandfable.com if you enjoy the podcast please do rate, review, subscribe so others can find us and have five minutes with us find us on Twitter at RebeccaRobert7 or at HarrietSmallZ Season two of Have You Got Five Minutes is brought to you in partnership with Nextdoor, the neighbourhood app that's used by one in seven households in the UK. This past 18 months, we've all needed to connect a little closer with the communities around us and Nextdoor are working to create a kinder place for people to have a neighbourhood that they can rely on. Tap into your neighbourhood at nextdoor.co.uk or download the app from your app store.